I definitely started to feel more lethargic and then it got to the point where my fingers went numb and my body felt heavy. So I just lied down. The last thing I remember was it was getting harder and harder to breathe. Like somebody was sitting on my chest and I couldn't breathe. I was struggling and slowly I just kind of accepted that I wasn't going to be waking up. Everything just kind of got darker. And the last thing I remember was hearing myself say, okay. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and I hope better conversations with attempt survivors. I'm certainly going to try. Now, we are talking about suicide. This may not be a good fit for everyone. So please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there's so much to learn. Now, if you're a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at suicidenoted. I really appreciate you listening and all of your support. Keep doing what you're doing. Let people know about it. And if you're listening on Apple, if you rate and review this podcast, it really does help people find and learn more about these survivors and their stories. Today, I'm talking with Gardenia. Gardenia lives in California, and she's a suicide attempt survivor. How you doing, Gardenia? I'm good. How are you? I have been blessed to have spoken to 30 people though, thus far. And despite California being such a big state, I think you're the first from California. Uh, are you in a place where you can talk for a little bit, safe, comfortable? Of course. All right. So I am wondering, given that most people would not typically share this with somebody or the world about something like this, that you are somewhat comfortable doing so. And I'm wondering how you came to be in your life that you felt okay about it. I come from a very conservative family. Most Hispanic families are. Uh, so I didn't grow up talking about this. But it wasn't until I finally got help around the age of 15 that people told me that it was okay. And slowly I grew comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. I even talked about it uh, in front of a, a few classes. Mm -hmm. for over a year i just grew more and more comfortable with it because that's what happened yeah i'm glad you're talking about it i think it helps people as long as you're comfortable doing it yeah so share with me however you want however you want to frame it or however or wherever you want that story to begin of what happened with the actual attempt i guess the most serious one was last year mm -hmm. uh, in october and i don't know how i got to that point i felt mm. numb and I just locked myself in my room, mm. you know, and I just happened to have my medication on hand. I happened to have uh, painkillers on hand. Mm -hmm. I also happened to have a bottle of alcohol, which I had bought with that intention. Mm -hmm. 
So you brought the alcohol and then planned to mix it with the, the meds? Yes. Mm. And did you take them? So I did. Slowly, it kind of took over. I became more lethargic. Mm-hmm. You know, I planned on writing a suicide note, but I ended up scrapping it. Do you remember why you changed your mind? Because I have attempted so many times. I just thought it wasn't worth the effort anymore. Mm. How many times do you know? Definitely around 10. Mm. How old are you now, may I ask? 26. When was the first one? How old were you? Eight. That's pretty young. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty young. I've had a couple of people I've spoken to who are in that, in that age range, but that feels young. What was that like being so young? And I never want to put words in anyone's mouth, but people that want to do that and try, something's they're not doing well. I mean, what's it like yeah. to be that age and feel so whatever you were feeling? I didn't know what I was feeling. Mm. I just kind of knew that I didn't want to be alive. Mm-hmm. You know, I would uh, often run into traffic and just kind of hope I'd get hit by a car. Were you living with folks? Yes. Did they know at that age she's struggling? No. At eight years old, you're kind of able to keep it more or less a secret? I, I don't think it was a secret. You know, I didn't even know what was going on myself. Yeah. I wouldn't get help for another seven years. And that's when we would know what was actually going on. What was going on? I was having suicidal thoughts at school. Mm -hmm. And I was recommended to go see the school psychologist. Mm -hmm. And she recommended me to go see a therapist and another psychologist. And that's kind of where they told me that I had a major depressive disorder and anxiety. Did that make sense for you? Because for me, I know sometimes I've gotten different diagnoses and some seem to like, all right, that makes sense. And others don't. Did that seem to fit with, I don't know, whatever you were experiencing? As far as I could tell. Yeah. Yeah. And you're what, 15 or 16 years old at the time when that, when that happened? 15. 15. Man, that must've been rough. Yeah. Wow. But you're able to continue high school. It was hard. I did my first two years of high school uh, at the normal public high school, Mm -hmm. but then it just got harder for me. I started to spiral down yeah. and I switched schools twice. So mm-hmm. I went to a different public high school about half an hour away. It didn't work out. And then I ended up, basically the only choice I had was to go to a continuation high school. Mm-hmm. And that's where I stayed uh, until I graduated. And what happened after you finished? What was your life like after uh, high school? I felt hopeless. Yeah. It was dark. I felt like I couldn't do anything. Uh, I was still in the midst of the worst of my depression. I didn't do much. Yeah. And, you know, considering my the worst of my depression lasted from age 15 till 21, I really don't remember much of what happened. It's a long time. In that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Were you living at home? Yes. Yeah. That's a long time. It's a long time to do anything, but it's a long time to struggle is, what does it feel like? to be what you were feeling like in your mid-teens, late-teens, when, as you say, the worst of it? You don't enjoy anything anymore. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't want to be around people. You, know, you feel hopeless, like you're not worth anything, like you're never going to advance in life. And I, personally, I compared myself a lot to everybody. You compared and, yourself, you said, yeah. Yeah, because I, I felt that I was never going to amount to anything. So I started looking to other people to see what I should be doing. Yeah. You know, and then when I looked to other people, 
I felt even more hopeless. You know, and sometimes you just feel numb. Yeah. And who in your life knew, had a good sense of what Gordani is dealing with? I mean, until we started counseling around, was after I was diagnosed, nobody really mm-hmm. understood. So you said the worst of it was 15 to 21. Correct. When we started talking, you said the last time, and you said, I believe you called it the most serious, was last year. Yes. So it sounds like, of course, correct me if I'm not accurate, it's continued to be a challenge. Things have been difficult. It never really stops being difficult. Mm. You know, it's just about how you choose to move forward. Yeah. And so the last time you were saying that you tried to overdose mm-hmm. and you also used alcohol. And so what happened? I mean, obviously you're here, fortunately. So we know you didn't die. But what was that experience like or what happened after? I'm curious. Um, so like I said, I definitely started to feel more lethargic and then it got to the point where my fingers went numb and my body felt heavy. So I just mm-hmm. lied down. And the last thing I remember was it was getting harder and harder to breathe. Like somebody was sitting on my chest and I couldn't breathe. I was struggling and slowly I just kind of accepted that I wasn't going to be waking up. Everything just kind of got darker. And the last thing I remember was hearing myself say, okay. Like acceptance okay? Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but I woke up the following afternoon. Mm. And my mother had told me that she had found me shaking. <laughs> really? My sister said that I was convulsing. Mm. Uh, first thing I did was I ran out of the bed and I was vomiting profusely mm. for the next few days. Wow. Your body was like saying, no, get this stuff yeah. out. Yeah. And did you go to a hospital? Any kind of hospital after that? <laughs> no. No. I probably should have, though. No judgments from me. Your body fixed itself, at least temporarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was last October. And so I'm wondering how the last year has been, particularly because the majority of the last years, we've also had a lockdown. I don't know if that's affected your life a lot. Some people I've talked to said it actually hasn't affected their life that much. That they were spending a lot of time at home. And it's different, but I'm wondering, how, is it, how has it been for you? After that attempt, I actually went and got help. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, seeing a therapist again. I'm uh, back on medication uh, after over nine years. With new medication. How is that so far? It's taken a lot of adjustments, but so far I, I think it's going well. Mm, great. You know, and uh, because I got the help, I think this year hasn't really been that bad. Mm. You know, and uh, compared to, you know, how I've felt in the past, it's pretty normal in a weird way. Mm. And so you see your therapist. How often are you able to see or talk to, I guess, your therapist now? Uh, once a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after the attempt, she contacted me twice a week for a while. But uh, we're back to once a week. Yeah. What else, if anything, do you do to feel okay? I try to focus on what I'm grateful for. I enjoy, you know, partaking in my hobbies. Uh, Mostly writing, actually. It's very distracting, and it's something that you focus on for long periods of time. That's one of your hobbies, writing? Mm Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I've actually written two novels, and I'm pretty proud of that. Really? What else do you like to do? You said you had hobbies. So other than writing, what else? I enjoy swimming, drawing, learning languages. How many languages do you speak? 
I eat three, but I can understand seven. Wow. So I'm assuming you obviously you speak English because of your background. I'm assuming you speak Spanish. And what's the third? I'm going to go with French. German. German. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. We could be conducting this talk in Spanish, but I don't speak well enough. And that would be very awkward. And no one would want to hear me speak really bad Spanish. I am curious about your Hispanic heritage. Because you had said when we first started talking, if I recall, that typically uh, mental health, I'm using my word, so I want to make sure I'm right, isn't maybe discussed much or acknowledged much? No, it's not. And so how did that play into what you were dealing with, I'm wondering? Basically, from when it started, you know, around the age of eight until I turned 15, they just thought I was a brat. A brat? Yeah. Wow. I wonder how many kids out there, it's, they go through that, right? Someone thinks they're just a brat or whatever other word we could use, and they're maybe depressed. Or your family, your immediate family thought you were a brat. Yes. Like, I always wonder, how does it, how does what you've been going through affect your close relationships? Because it must have some impact, good, bad, or whatever. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I was already depressed for a while, but, you know, in elementary, middle school, high school, whatever, I experienced a lot of bullying throughout the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, being a middle child, it's not fun. Being called a brat by my family, being constantly compared to my siblings. Uh, it definitely took a toll on my self-esteem. Yeah. And it just really didn't help. You know, it made me feel so much worse. And it definitely strained my relationships with my family. Um, I'm trying my best to open up to them and to trust them. They think that it's a quick fix, you know, that I'm better just because I have the meds that I'm better. Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't fully, most of them. My older sister, she's very open. She's apologized to me because she was one of my bullies and I never realized it. That your older sister was bullying you? Yeah, I didn't realize I admired her so much. Yeah. I I still do. People can be mean. Yes. Yeah. So you still see a therapist and you're adjusting to the meds. Do you still ideate? You think about ending your life sometimes? It still pops up from time to time. Yeah. I'm curious, so as you were dealing with all this and struggling with all this, and you said you had around 10 attempts from eight years old to 25, I believe, were you also trying to figure out, like, what do I want to do with my life? Or was that so sort of consuming that you could not? I have always stressed about that. It's been one of the biggest stresses in my life to this day. But between 15 and 21, when I, I was numb, I couldn't think. And I really don't remember what's going on at the time. I don't, I'm pretty sure I wasn't really focused on that. Yeah, that makes total sense. What do you think with respect to either sort of a, broadly speaking, suicide or depression, anxiety, ideating, attempt, recovery, all of that? I always am curious, what do you think is or are some myths that people simply don't? get or understand or when you hear it you're like nah that's that's bullshit oh jeez uh, <laughs> I don't ask the easy questions Gardenia no oh, the one I really hate is oh you're just doing this for attention mm. like, no don't say that that makes it so much worse 
Yeah. You know, and on top of that, it's like, oh, just take some pills and you're cured. Or you're never going to struggle with it again if you get the help. Not true. Usually. No. What was specifically you said around people saying you're just doing that for attention. Why do you think that's just not accurate? I think because for the most part, you don't know what people are actually feeling. You don't know what they're thinking, what they've been through. Yeah. You know, and maybe sometimes it can be for attention, but it's, if that's the case, it's more of a cry for help, I think. Yeah, you could argue, even if it is for attention, however you're defining it, we still have a problem we need to address. Yes. Right. Like, it's not just you're doing it for attention and now we can just move on. I don't think it works that way. I know that you didn't talk to a lot of people about this from what you've shared. I am wondering, so I always ask people, how did people in their lives or in your life respond whether it's to your depression or more specifically to the attempt with you, I don't know how many people are there in the world that know about your attempts. It sounds like from what you share, at least some family knew about the most recent one. Anyone else? A couple of friends. Mm-hmm. And how did they respond when they, when they learned of it? Do you remember? They were very supportive. Yeah. You know, because they, they also uh, have to deal with mental illnesses. so. They're more familiar with what it's like. Oh, they're also dealing with stuff? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, isn't it really hard when somebody just has no idea? Uh, yes, it is. Like, you just, what do you say? You're like, it's like, two, it's like you're not having the same conversation, right? No. I found that people who go through it are easier to talk to, you know, especially uh, a few times. I was admitted like four times. And I uh, also joined uh, a NAMI, my local NAMI. Mm-hmm. And, they were just so much easier to talk to. Yeah. The NAMI is the national, is it Alliance? I think Alliance or Association of Mental Illness for people that don't mm-hmm. know. And so there's a local chapter where you are in California that you were involved with? Uh, I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but and it was you... uh, disbanded. Was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes me upset. Yeah. Oh, man. Do you have any, uh, is there anything online that you found i know some people are involved in a variety whether instagram or facebook or whatever that is sort of like-minded people or people with similar experiences yes i actually found a group on facebook that's actually where i heard about you you had said before you said nami and what was the other i think there was another organization i apologize i don't remember that you were part of uh no i was just saying that uh i had been admitted into uh psychiatric hospitals when i was a teenager Right. And that's where I met a lot of people that I would talk to. Um, actually, that's where I met my friend, my friend uh, Estella, which is the one I told you about in the email. Yeah. And so how are those experiences? I've been, just so you know, I've been in a mental health facility for twice in my life, both for a week, about a week. And I didn't find them particularly helpful for me. They helped with some med stuff. And obviously I wasn't actively suicidal, but they they do make it hard to end your life. So it's sort of crisis mode. It's good. I'm wondering what they were like for you and helpful, hurtful, good, not so good. I mean, the services they provided themselves, they were just trying to distract you. It, it wasn't super helpful for me. Mm-hmm. What actually helped while I was in there were the other patients. Yeah. They get it a little bit, right? Yeah. I was admitted four different times, mm-hmm. each for at least two weeks. Uh, in two different facilities 
as far and we were all young under the age of uh, 18. Okay. There was actually a, a five-year-old that I met my second time. That was there. In the hospital. Yes. Five years old. And why were they there? Do you know? She had attempted to end her life. Wow. I have never heard of that. I don't think I've ever heard that. That's quite young. Yeah. It was a little, a little surprising, a little sad. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know the details of why it happened, but uh, a few of the people who kind of held her close during her stay mentioned that that's what had happened. Yeah. Still in touch with her? No. Mm. No. Uh, unfortunately, I'll, you know, uh, a few of the people I was friends with uh, ended up taking their own lives. Right. I was friends with uh, Estrella for right. a few years, actually, afterward. She was the person I, I she was my roommate the first time I was admitted. And uh, we talked a lot. You know, we would help each other whenever there was a crisis. We would just be ready to answer for the, to answer the other person's calls. Yeah. Um, we started doing well, kind of. But we would always be there to support each other. Over time, the communication started slowing down until uh, I was like 18, mm -hmm. 19, when you know we just kind of took a break from talking to each other. But we still uh, checked in once in a while. Yeah, and she was uh, my biggest support for the longest time. And I saw her life improving slowly. She was a really good person. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, it kind of brought my spirits up too, to see her doing well. Can you share more about her and, and what happened for people? Because so, I know you sent me an email, but people don't know about that. Yeah, you know, she had a really bad home life growing up. She had been homeless for a long time. But after the hospital, things started going better. She got back in touch with her family. When she was about her late teens, she ended up having a son. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but things spiraled down again for her. You know, and in 2017, I found out that she had run into traffic. And she died. Yes. Mm. Do you remember how you responded to that when you heard that? <laughs> it kind of, it really took me by shock because I was actually in Greece with my sisters and I was having such a great time. And then I hear this from her mom and it just kind of broke me. Yeah. I felt so numb. I just, uh, I couldn't move from the floor and I just couldn't believe it for months. I remember in your email, you wrote that you still, uh, to, and if I'm not right here, please, of course, let me know that you still live with the disappointment of not having died. Is that still okay? Yeah. Still? Yeah. Sometimes I still do. Mm -hmm. One thing that a lot of people don't understand, and I don't know if they ever will, is how hard people struggle to stay alive if there are people i assume there's some people listening that are going through a really hard time and i know it's a tricky question what i'm about to ask because you obviously don't know them but the question i ask is like do you have any words for people out there who might be feeling the way you're feeling or you were feeling the sort of the real dark stuff i guess i would say that it's not a crime to care about yourself it's okay to be more selfish and do the things you enjoy and sometimes just say, tell people to get the heck out, you know? <laughs> it's not their lives, it's yours. In the end, you're the only person who's going to be there to pick yourself up your entire life. Right. Your choice. Yeah. 
And what about to other people who are listening that maybe they're, they're fine, whatever that means, and, but they know somebody, maybe a family, a friend, whomever, who's struggling. Again, I know that you don't know them, you don't know the situation, but is there anything that comes to mind that you would communicate with them should they hear this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> don't, I, I'd say uh, from personal experience, don't force them into a conversation. Let it come naturally. Just be there to listen. Mm. You know, even uh, and for the person that's gone through it and is still struggling, you know, just take your time. Breathe. Take it one day at a time because that's, you know, that's all you have to worry about. That's all you should be worrying about. Mm. Hard sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So you also said in your email uh, that you, last year you worked at a summer camp, right? You said it was a really good job for you. Oh, I loved it so much. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I always ask people, you did share some of your hobbies with me and I was curious, particularly after talking about some of the more heavy stuff, what brings them joy? And I'm curious, what what, what did you like uh, so much about that summer camp job? I love to be creative, uh, first mm-hmm. off. You know, so I, I got to be very crafty and I love working around kids because they have a different perspective. I think they have a better perspective of what the world is like. You know, I, I like to provide for them what I couldn't have. I like to be a support. You know, I want to show them that it's okay to be a kid. You know, it was liberating for me as well. Yeah, but you were good. I bet they liked you a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. I, would you have done that again if it were not for this virus? Yes. Mm. I really hope that th- things get back to a sort of normal where you can do that again. Because it's hard to find stuff that you like. I mean, at least for me. Yeah. Where are you right now? Are you in a, it looks like a, is it an attic? It looks like you're upstairs somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> slanted roof. <laughs> yeah, I'm up in the attic. Uh, we have it set up like a bedroom, so. Nice. Yeah, I can see some sun behind you in that window. I know. What part of California? Northern. That's nice. Is it nice? Do you like it out there? I do. I like it except for the, the part where I have to shovel. That's yeah. not fun. Not It's fun. actually the bright light out there. It's the reflection of the sun on the snow. You, you've got snow. Yes. I'm in North Carolina, so we rarely get snow. Uh, we get humidity. It's really hot. But anyway. I wanted to ask a sort of open-ended question, which is that, you know, I always ask some questions and have these conversations, but I probably don't ask always the best questions or the right questions. So just sort of curious, open-ended thing of like, what else would you like to share? I feel like that's the hardest question you've asked. <laughs> <laughs> I guess based off my experiences of uh, not being able to say anything, I would say there's no shame in reaching out for help. You're doing what's best for you. And sometimes you can be a bit stubborn. You know, I know I was. Um, But, you know, ultimately it's going to benefit you in the end. I wonder, why do you think that people sometimes struggle to reach out for help? And I, I know that's a big thing for a lot of people. And I'm wondering why you think that's so common. My thought is that it could be from embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Because there is that that stigma that you're crazy, you know, that something must be wrong with you. Another thing is that maybe, you know, you've been shamed, you know, uh, by a family telling you, oh, it's nothing. Why are you worrying about this? 
or by people in general. Also, society itself is very hush-hush, you know, about this whole thing. Do you know why? I always ask this. Why? Why? Why are we so... Why is it so hard for us to talk about this stuff? Obviously, I do somewhat, right? Because I have a podcast about it, but most people don't. Do you have any idea why? I know these are not easy questions, but I'm so curious what you think. I don't know. A thought that occurs to me is that maybe because we're so focused on being perfect, in a sense. For example, like straight teeth, a good body. You know, obviously, we'd want uh, to be sane as well. You know, you have to have the right thoughts. You know, the right house, the right job, and obviously feeling different, not feeling okay with your life. It just doesn't fit into that. Yeah. By the way, I wrote down Gardenia because that was on the email, but then I'm also seeing in your email, I didn't see it closely enough. You go by another name. Oh, Have I been calling you the wrong name. thing the whole time? No, no. My name is Gardenia, but I used the name Magnolia because I wasn't super sure if I wanted to use my actual name. Mm -hmm. And uh, that name I actually got because my sister's friend in high school, she thought it would be funny to call me by a different flower name. Ah, And she did so for the next four years. Magnolia. Hmm. Thank you for being so open and sharing and and being honest and trusting i appreciate it yeah i appreciate that you do this trying there are a lot of people that try to end their lives a lot and uh it's challenging to get people to be comfortable enough to come on and and share like i said in the beginning you're in the, the minority which i you know i get and obviously people are where they are and if they care about it and they want to share i'm always open but it just speaks to i think some of the stuff we were talking about in that people are just not quick to talk about this. They hide it, which I get, you know, but I do say truly it it takes a lot of what's the word strength among other things to be open. Like you, you, you've been, and I know from what you shared about your life, that is not how you've typically been. Mm -mm. So kudos to you because I do genuinely think, and the reason why I do this is that when people hear these stories, the stories that you, you shared, you've shared with me, it helps. I know it does. So big thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it really, it takes time Mm -hmm. to accept things and to get comfortable enough uh, to do something even like this or even, you know, just anything like this, you know, with, uh, after a suicide attempt or even just with a mental illness, it's going to take time and you just have to really focus on yourself. Yeah. I think those are very good words for people to hear and do their best as best they can to try to embrace, you know, to struggle. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else? I, I, again, I really appreciate you and, and thank you for, for doing this. Anything else before we part ways? Uh, no, I think I'm good. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you again, Gardemia or Magnolia. <laughs> uh, Thanks, I do very much hope that your day goes well and that you keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. As always, thanks so much for listening, and special thanks to Gardenia out in California. 
Again, if you're a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, or if you're a listener and you have a question or a comment, reach out, please. Hello at suicidenoted.com. Until we connect again, stay strong, do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.